You're smart. Your TV is smart. That's why you cut the cord. But you need one more thing. Alaska's news source. Watch live or when it's convenient for you. Here's how. Just search Alaska's news source on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, or Android TV. Install and enjoy. It's completely free and has everything you need in one spot. Breaking news. Statewide weather. In-depth investigations. Start streaming Alaska's news source live today. Welcome to Alaska's Political Pipeline. I'm David Bernkoff. And I'm Rebecca Polsha. And we have a lot of political things to talk about, but we would be remiss if we didn't begin with um, an unfortunate story this week, the death of Eugene Peltola Jr., the husband of our congressperson, Mary Peltola. He died in a plane crash earlier this week in uh, a remote part of western Alaska, right? Yeah, it's incredibly sad. Very sad. And you know, I was struck by uh, a statement that President Biden put out uh, because he and Mary Peltola were together just at the start of this week at an event oh, you covered that yeah. we'll talk about yeah. in a bit. But after Buzzy's death, that's what everybody who knew him called him, mm -hmm. uh, the president put out a statement. And in that statement, he says, on Monday... Mary Peltola flew back with me to Washington on Air Force One with the whole world ahead of her. Today, I spoke with her with that world shattered in shock and sadness. Oh, that is so sad. Good gracious. That is. Um, now, Peltola's staff has put out a note yeah. sort of thanking people for their and condolences this, and concern. Yeah, so if you want to send a condolence card, they're asking people to send it to their district office in Anchorage. So that address is 121 West Fireweed Lane, Suite 260, and the zip is 99503. They said, um, you know, for you know, their office is hearing from people as well, and they have said that uh, you have made a dark time just a little lighter. So it seems like they're appreciative of anything that people have been sending as far as condolences notes coming over. And it's never easy to make that turn from something so tragic to something more mundane like the daily politics of our community, but that's what we're going to do now. Because we have a new candidate in the mayor's race. Bill Pop. Bill Pop. Tell me about Bill Pop. You know about him more than oh, I gosh. do. Gosh, I've known Bill for many years. Um, hey, it's funny we have ha there has been the rumor of Bill Pop running for mayor for years now, um, and I think we all kind of assumed he was going to do it when he retired, and he did. Uh, he is a very good public speaker. He's a smart man. Um, I think he's well liked and uh, tied in with the business community. Tied in with very strongly with the business community and has. Um, you know, been in that position at ACDEA for many years. I listened to his goodbye speech there mm -hmm. at their luncheon this year. And, and, you know, it's interesting. He he speaks about 
economic issues and how they affect the future of Anchorage. And mm-hmm. in his announcement that he was running, he made the point that it's time to move past the kind of crisis atmosphere mm-hmm. that Anchorage, he says, is in and move more towards planning how you build a community that grows. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how that message resonates. One of the things that seems true about him is that he has lived a pretty nonpartisan life. Mm-hmm. He's not a Democrat or Republican. He's given to both mm-hmm. candidates of both parties. And we'll see how a nonpartisan does in a supposedly nonpartisan <laughs> race that is filled with other yeah. partisans, right? I'm super curious to see how he does because he, you know, I think of Bill as like a well-liked person. And um, it, it just, you know, he's and he's spoken for a long time about it, how Anchorage has to be better about um having things that businesses want to do here for their employees to come here. Cause it's, you know, uh, when you're a big corporation, there has to be things for your, for your staff workers to do in a town. And it has to be like a cool town, you know? And that was one of the points at that luncheon that was made by their guest speaker who had mm-hmm. been the mayor of Oklahoma city. And he spoke about how do you, how did you get an, an NBA franchise to Oklahoma city? Well, they got it because they lost out on a big corporate relocation and they started really analyzing what do we need to do Mm -hmm. to make our city more uh, hospitable to people who have many places to choose from oh yeah so it's a no question it's a big challenge for anchorage Mm -hmm. and that's the lane he is choosing i thought it was interesting that one of his opponents suzanne lafrance the former assembly chair uh took a little dig at him this week just the other day uh, not by name, but by saying that the mayor's office is not a place for on-the-job training. In other words, she's ready to start. She's ready to start She today. knows <laughs> how things work. She knows how to fix them. And uh, we don't need someone who's learning on the job. Again, we'll see how that plays mm-hmm. out um, as we continue to follow this developing race which we will all be voting on in April. And certainly it's going to be a fun one so far. We've got more interesting. We've got, I think, five candidates now, including the current mayor, Mm -hmm. who is running for re-election and who just this week, just the other day, asked for his IT director's resignation, Uh Mark Dahl, who was involved in a very complicated story that we've had trouble explaining because... It's so strange, but the gosh, the short version is that just as the election results were being counted, Mark Dahl posted internally a new policy which uh, allowed supporters of the mayor and some of the conservative candidates for assembly to challenge the results based on the fact that under this new policy, it was not proper to use a Uh, to insert a hard drive into an election computer Mm -hmm. that hadn't been fully checked prior to its insertion. That was not a policy that had ever been approved. It hadn't gone through protocols of the assembly or other department heads within the city. So it was probably not even a legal policy, but nonetheless, that policy was shared. Apparently, according to the ombudsman for the city, improperly Mm -hmm. the challenge was made it didn't go anywhere the mayor after putting mark Dahl on administrative leave with pay for months i say for months now months and then telling the assembly tuesday night that he 
couldn't locate Mr. Dahl. Apparently. It was, he was working offline. Yeah, he was working offline. Then the next day, less than 24 hours after the assembly approved uh, a plan to subpoena the mayor's office for more documentation on what had happened, the mayor issued a press release yesterday that said, I'm asking for Mr. Dahl's resignation and we're going to work out the details. Interestingly, Mr. Dahl, as of the recording of this podcast, it is unknown to us whether he has in fact tendered his no. resignation. And if he doesn't, one would assume the mayor might then fire him, but that's <laughs> not clear either. That's not clear. So <laughs> that's an interesting, interesting situation. And the mayor's press release also said, even though it was questionable how that policy came to be and the timing of it, he didn't think that there was any proof of anything illegal. Yeah. I do know that the ombudsman presented his documentation to, I think, the, the Anchorage district attorney or the state. Um, and it was a very forceful, like, statement. I have not seen Daryl write something so um, damning, kind of. Very clear. Yeah. And in an interview with us earlier and, again, to the assembly at a working session uh, about a week ago, he said it. You know, it's pretty easy to mm -hmm. put these pieces together. There's really not much question. There was collusion going on uh, between the IT director and the political uh, supporters of the mayor. But as the ombudsman pointed out, it's not his job to assess legal blame. He just made a conclusion that enough had happened that he wanted to pass it on to those who can. <laughs> so... Again, we still have an IT director who's getting paid, who's been asked to resign, maybe... Waiting to see if that's happening. Maybe it'll happen any minute. Who knows? Uh, really, the bigger political story, and sort of walking into this backwards today, <laughs> is uh, the President of the United States was here in Anchorage, yeah, and you covered him. I did and cover what did you, it. What did you see? What did you learn? Uh, let's see. Um, it was a fast day. And I have covered some of these before. And, you know, the running joke is that this is going to be two hours late. And he was an hour and 45 minutes early. And that kind of threw us. Um, Maybe nice winds were blowing <laughs> yeah, exactly. him from Vietnam. Uh, but it was it was interesting event. And it was during, you know, everybody gives their speeches because it was it's it's different. It's different than a presidential visit because it was a 9-11 ceremony. Um, so just not the pomp and circumstance much more somber once things began to get going and i was really struck too before even talking about biden is that uh mary peltola had gotten up to give her 9-11 remembrance um speech and hers was about how uh growing up in in remote parts of alaska she was so used to always hearing small plane noises and that on 9-11 because everything had been grounded that um those noises weren't there. And it was all about flying in small planes, which is where her, how her husband died. And it just, it, we had used that one of her quotes about Alaska life in small planes. And it just, it was just ominous timing and interesting to kind of hear her thoughts on small planes and kind of, you know, in Alaska, how we have to have them and how they're special to us. And then they're also can be dangerous and, and like I even have a, I have a beautiful painting in my office of a float plane because it's just a lovely way to travel and to see the state. And you have to do it if you want to get out of city Anchorage or city Alaska. 
And I did think I was listening from here to those speeches, and I also was struck by that comment because it was something very personal and that yeah. I had not thought about. I wasn't in Alaska at that point, but I'm sure not hearing, now that I've been here a while, not hearing any small plane traffic mm -hmm. for several days must have been quite a change for people in this state. Yeah. No, I think about that a lot, you know, because like, especially now, right now, when it's still kind of nice outside and you've got your windows open and, you know, and I live in Anchorage and so it's noisy. And so I hear planes constantly and I hear the train and I think like, if that all went silent, that would be strange not to have those noises. It reminded me a little, I'm going to tell a story about myself now on 9-11. I was at CNN at the time and I got I was at home that day, and I was watching on TV, and I, of course, got through to my assignment editors, and I said, what do you want me to do? And they said, can you get in your car and start driving to Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. where they wanted me to be the site manager for the United 93 plane crash site, which it had just happened. Mm -hmm. And so I got in my car, I packed a little bag, and I started driving, and it took me probably 10 or 12 hours to get there from Atlanta. But what I was struck by on my drive and what I thought to myself was I can drive as fast as I can mm -hmm. safely, mm -hmm. which meant quite often at 90 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. I was sure that there would not be any police writing speeding tickets oh, gosh, on no. that day. Yeah. They were all sent to go protect the local government office building, mm -hmm. go protect the local chemical factory, because nobody knew on that day how many more attacks. No, and like what day. was happening next, you didn't ever, no one knew. So I yeah. was odd that my thought process as a journalist rushing to a location was, this is the one day I know I'm not getting a speeding ticket. Yeah, yikes. So, and I didn't, but I did get one on the way back. <laughs> a West Virginia state trooper decided that my excuse that I was coming back from covering a, the United 93 crash was not a very good excuse for speeding. Okay, West Virginia got some money <laughs> from me, or from CNN, actually. <laughs> um, one more thing about the Biden visit. I did notice that it looked like our governor, Mike Dunleavy, got a few minutes with Biden as Biden got off the plane. Did you mm -hmm. see that? They had a little chat. Yep. They, yeah, I, was, I was curious. I really wanted to know what they talked about because, you know, I had interviewed the governor on our 5 o'clock newscast. And I had said, are you going to meet him and greet him and say something about, you know, because the um, Anwar leases were really kiboshed last week. And I don't remember his words exactly, but essentially it was like, I'm going to talk to him and... Um, but those visits are so quick. You're like, what kind of meaningful conversation do you actually have, you know, and what do people say to each other? So We couldn't tell, and we haven't heard. No. It looked like it might have been a minute or two that yeah. they spoke. I'm sure the governor said the same thing, similar things to the president that he said to you, and that he said to Mike Ross, who did a quick interview with him for our podcast. Let's talk about this Anwar announcement and NPRA from the Biden administration. What was your gut level reaction when you heard about this today? Uh, not surprising from this administration. Uh, these guys have been trying to shut down oil and gas, specifically in, in Alaska, but really across America. But they obviously have an agenda, and part of that agenda apparently is not following the law, because this was a law that was passed in 2017 by Congress and signed into law by President Trump. 
that uh, several hundred thousand acres would be up for a lease sale. So I'm not sure how they can go about ignoring the law. There's going to be lawsuits. I think they know that. But in the end, it's just going to delay what's the inevitable, and that is I believe that the courts will rule in favor of Alaska and other litigants to make sure that the coastal plain is opened up for oil and gas exploration. But in the meantime, it's going to delay, 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 delay in the hopes that uh, that dies and there's no other investors. But certainly they're wrong and they know it. Do you have any thoughts as to what the motivation would be for them to take this action? They want to socially engineer uh, this country away from fossil fuels, elevate the cost of fossil fuels, in my opinion, so that we focus solely on renewables. And uh, as you know, like we, we embrace all forms of energy here in the state of Alaska. Renewables, wind, solar, uh, geothermal, tidal, we're looking at everything, as well as oil and gas. And so uh, that, to me, is their, their objective. It's pretty obvious. But the problem is it's going to make us weaker. We're going to have to depend upon Saudi Arabia. We have to depend upon other countries that aren't our friends. And uh, the price of fuels over time will go up. So right now, I think we're at about $90 a barrel here in the state of Alaska. We want more production, not higher prices per se. And so I don't think it helps the people of uh, Alaska. I don't think it helps the people of America. But it really is a, it, it's an agenda being driven by NGOs to eliminate fossil fuels. You mentioned possible legal action. Yes. Do you anticipate the state of Alaska uh, going to court over this? We'll be having discussions on that pretty quick. Um, uh, as well as uh, Ada, who's a leaseholder, uh, I'm sure they're going to be uh, taking action as well because it's a violation of the law. This administration is breaking the law. This is not an option for them. The law was passed and signed into law in 2017. This is not uh, a, a procedural issue. This is clearly a law that's being uh, broken by this administration. So the president is scheduled to stop at J-Bear on Monday for a 9-11 commemoration. Do you plan to be there to greet him? Um, I know that his office has reached out to our office, and we're okay. seeing what the schedules look like. Uh, but certainly would like to have a discussion with him. And if he arrives here, uh, we have a lot to talk about. So I would look forward to that, this, that, that meeting if it happens. What do you think you'd tell him when he steps off the plane <clears throat> on Alaska soil after making this decision? What, that, what we disagree, that we disagree with um, the 55 uh, actions they've taken against Alaska, that we don't believe that makes us a better state or a better country or a stronger country. We actually think that weakens it. Uh, less jobs, less opportunity, less wealth, less funding for our schools, and more dependence on foreign actors. And so I think he knows that, but we'll have a polite discussion, certainly if he lands here. He's the president of the United States, and so we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a discussion about Alaska's needs. While we have you here, we're still a few months out. What do you think the big topics are going to be for this upcoming session? Ooh, um, well, um, there's always budget, right? Um, there's uh, always the PFD. Energy is going to be a big one, I believe. Energy internal to Alaska. How do we pay for electricity, et cetera, et cetera. Um, food, food security will also, also be an issue. And just the affordability in Alaska. Uh, hopefully we're going to be talking about some housing initiatives that we hope will help Alaskans. But um, cost of living, inflation, energy, budgets, pretty much. Okay. Anything else on your mind? Tons of stuff. <laughs> Tons of stuff. Anything you want to share with the? With I think audience? I've shared as much uh, okay. right now that'd be pertinent, but um, just got a lot going on, and so um, um, I'm still convinced that uh, Alaska is in the driver's seat if we're allowed to develop our resources. And this Anwar announcement is, um, you know, we wasn't unexpected, unfortunately, but um, something that we have to fight to make sure that we, Alaska. Um, can benefit from the resources within our borders. We understand that this is federal land, same with NPRA, but keep in mind in 1923, President Harding opened up NPRA for oil exploration. That's what the purpose of NPRA is, oil and gas. In Anwar in 1980, the coast of the plain was opened up 
um, through legislative action, uh, con congressional action for oil and gas exploration. So we're doing really what we are supposed to do. It's just this administration is not. Governor Mike Dudley, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Of note in Mike Ross's interview with the governor, something you and I have spoken about many times, while he did mention, Governor Dunleavy did mention budget issues broadly in that interview, he did not bring up the issue of a sales tax as something that might come up again. And I well, think it's worth remembering. It is because we're still, last we were checking in during the session, it was a few times it was in draft mode. Yeah, they were sure working on the draft language. mode now. <laughs> Maybe they will surprise us and uh, present uh, a sales tax proposal. Uh, it's obviously politically risky to offer a sales tax proposal in mm. this state mm -hmm. where people do not like to be taxed and do not expect to be taxed. But it was something that the governor, through his people, was very clear mm -hmm. that they were working on and discussing. Will we see it in the next session? Which when does that does that happen in January? Is that when they get? Oh back yeah, together? we got next year, but but it's not maybe, that far away. Maybe they'll get it out of draft mode by then. Maybe, and if they do, the political pipeline will be right on top of it to discuss it, won't we? Absolutely. We're not holding our breath, but. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we'll be surprised. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.